I might still be a little jet lag after that song. <laughs> There's nowhere to take a breath in that song. <laughs> I almost passed out, little brother. You almost died. <laughs> if I fall off the stage, you a vanilla pancake with chocolate chips. <laughs> I'm the chocolate chips. <laughs> Somebody say, let's go. let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. One more time, let's go. Okay, look, 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 I hate, I hate surprises, so I got one, let's see what I got, hold up, one, two, three, four, I mean, I'm sorry, I forgot where I was, four, four, yeah, I got four things for you, y'all ready? One more time, let's go, let's go. So we're going to start all the way back in, in, in Genesis chapter 6. There was a guy by the name of Noah. Everybody say, Noah. Noah. If you grew up in church, you know this one. You know this because for you little kids, you got to understand. You got to understand. See, a lot of people hear this story and they go, oh, it's no big deal. It's a big deal because one day God went to Noah and he says, Noah. And Noah said, here I am. You know what that means today? Let's go. So whenever you hear, here I am, that's somebody on earth saying to God, let's go. And you know, some of you are like, God would never call me. That's because you think he'll never call you. If you are sitting in this room, if you're watching this online, if somehow you're hearing me preach this sermon, then you have been qualified for let's go. Come on, let's go. So God said, Noah, build an ark. And Noah's reply was, what's an ark? And God said, it's a boat. And Noah said, what's a boat? And God said, it floats on the water. And Noah said, why do I need to float on water? And God said, there's going to be a flood. And Noah said, what's a flood? You see, we're on the other side of this. We've seen it. We've read it. We know the history book. Some of us have even lived through floods and torrential downpour. Then God said, it's going to rain. And Noah said, what's rain? Because until then, there had never been rain. So for Noah to do what God asked, he had to believe in what has not been done. He had to believe what's not been seen. Once you feel rain fall from the sky, you know it's possible. But until then, what's that? Are you starting to understand the miracle behind this thing? All God needed was one man to save us. You notice I said us. See, the world has a way of separating us and putting us in categories. But when I heard in the Bible, there was only one family saved. When the flood came. Which means, whether you like it or not, I'm Uncle Reggie. <laughs> Everybody needs an Uncle Reggie in their life, I'm just saying. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Now listen to me. I'm going to go to here. Here's Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. After everything, after all that happened, after God explained it all, there's one verse that makes it happen. Man, if I could get to the end of my life and somebody say this about me, I'd be very happy. Genesis 6, 22. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. You want to be happy? 
Do what God tells you to do. You want to be successful. Do what God tells you to do. What does God say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your might, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That, you're going to be successful. How could that make me successful? Don't I have to go to college? Well, he's going to pay for your college if you just live for him. He's going to make you happy. He's going to give you that job. Some of you are like, is this prosperity? No, it's not prosperity. It's serving God. He would never give his child a stone and not bread. Are y'all with me? Y'all quiet today. Somebody say, let's go. Come on, let's go. A couple of more paintings. Dude, I love little kids. They're with me. I don't care about y'all. If I can get a little kid in this sermon, then you should understand. And if you can't understand like a little kid, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to have to read this one. Genesis chapter 22, one of the greatest stories ever. Yeah, you know, black preachers, this is how it goes. I tell people all the time, if you ever have a black preacher and he don't sweat, he ain't black. All right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 22, watch this. I'm going to read it. We're going to read, stop, read, stop, because you got to get this. Watch this, okay? Sometime later, everybody say, let's go. Sometimes later, God tested Abraham. He loved Abraham. He tested him. He tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. You get it? There it is. So when God said, Abraham, Abraham said, let's go. go. Come on, let's go. go. Verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt sacrifice on the mountain I will show you. Did y'all get that? So this dude got one son whom he loves. And God literally says, I want you to take your son to where I show you and offer him as a, there's a key word in this. I don't think y'all saw. Offer him as a burnt. Y'all can just sit there and act like it ain't no big deal because it ain't your son. You see, until we put ourselves in other people's shoes, we ain't going to care really about them. You don't have compassion until compassion is what you need. Man, this is good preaching. I don't know. That's why you got to hear a sermon the first time. Because if you get it the first time, that's why you got to go to church Saturday night. It's fresh on the preacher. By Sunday, second service, it ain't no big deal. He'll leave half of it out because he's hungry. But Saturday night, man, it's all on. It's all on. It's all on. And yet, like tomorrow, second service, it ain't going to work out because all you, uh, all you f- fake 49er fans are going to be like, ooh, I got to go. He went to Iowa State. I hope he wins the Super Bowl. Shut up. Okay, stop. I'm sorry. I'm just mad because I'm a Cowboy fan, so leave me alone, all right? Listen, we're going to the Super Bowl next year. That proves I'm a Cowboy fan right there, doesn't it? <laughs> Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and he loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When they had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out to the place God had told him about. Verse 4, on the third day, did y'all get that? Everybody say third day. Third day. One more time, say third day. Third day. Now see, look, little girl, look at me. That's no big deal for normal people, third day. But if you, the dad who God says, burn your child to wait three days later can you imagine the fight in his mind for three days 
He said, maybe, God, God, you got to change your mind. Maybe, God, no, no, no. Maybe God, the first day, that's the first day. Second day, maybe the donkey will die of a stroke. I don't know. Because something's got to happen, dude. i got to run out of gas. i got to do something, man, something. On the third morning, here we are. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship. Everybody say worship. Worship. And we will come back to you. He knew that he was coming back. But at that moment, he didn't know we. But even though at that moment he knew he had to sacrifice his child, he still went and worshiped. It didn't matter. He was going to worship. If you want to get what you've never had, you want to do what you've never done, you got to worship like you've never had before. You can't show up on the second praise song. You got to show up before the first praise song. You can't just help fold your arms. You can if you want, but I'm going to tell you right now, something happens when you open up your arms because you're sacrificing. You're saying, I am a... When somebody walks in a bank with a gun and says, stick them up, you don't turn and say, sir, do you really want to do that? You're going to get your head blown off, all right? You put your hands in the air and you don't say a word because you know why? Your actions speak louder than your words. Your actions are like, hey, I surrender. And when we're in church and we lift our hands, our actions speak louder than even the words on the screen that we're repeating. Because our actions are saying, I worship you, Lord, with all my heart. Whatever you want to do. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go. Come on, say, let's go. Let's go. We don't need children's church. <laughs> I'm the children's pastor tonight. <laughs> I love this, man. I love it. Oh, Super Bowl Sunday, I do it every year. On Super Bowl Sunday, I'm the guest speaker in our children's ministry. And this coming Super Bowl Sunday, it's me and eight puppets <laughs> who have a mind of their own. And the people who worked the puppets decided we weren't going to have a script this year. Could be my last Sunday at that church. <laughs> Some of you are like, why do you do children's church? Because everybody needs Uncle Reggie. Because I'll get mom and dad if I can win the kids. Next time I preach in big church, they're going to go, dude, that's Uncle Reggie. Let's hear what he got. And then what's going to happen? Do you know somebody's going to get saved tonight? You do know somebody in this room. It might be you. And now you're going to say, nah, I ain't doing that. There ain't no way he's going to get me. I ain't got nothing to do with it. But I did not come all the way up here and freeze. So you can sit there and not get changed. Somebody getting saved. Abraham took the firewood for the burnt offering. He placed the numbers. This is verse 6. Abraham took the, the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire. Did y'all get that? He carried the fire. He carried the fire and he carried the knife. You hold in your hands life and death. I don't think y'all get what I'm preaching tonight. 
You see, everybody's like, well, God, well, God, why would God do this? Why would God? No, no, no. God just said, I want you to sacrifice your son. No, somebody else had to do it. Somebody else had to follow through. He cut the wood. He carried the fire. He carried the knife. He let his boy carry the wood. But guess what? He knew what he had to do. He carried it the whole way. He had it in his possession. He could have put the fire out, but he did not. He could have thrown the knife away, but he did not. Why? Because it's greater is one day in his house than a thousand elsewhere. Some of you are like, I can't understand this. Our ways are not like God's ways. You know that God had a best friend. His name was Lazarus. And when he got really sick, his two sisters sent word to God and said, the one you love, he's sick. He's going to die. And so guess what Jesus did? Jesus said, I love that boy so much. So he stayed where he was two more days. If you love somebody and they're about to die and you hold in your power to raise them from the, to make sure they're okay, don't you go then? No. Why didn't he go then? Because he knew that four days after he was dead and in the tomb, he was going to go and say his name and he was going to come back to life again. Why? Because his ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are not like our thoughts. All he says to us is, trust me. Now trust me. Just trust me. 2023 is the year for us to trust God. Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust him. Touch your neighbor and say, let's go. Verse 7, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. <laughs> yes, my son. Abraham replied, this kid's smart. Isaac's smart. Watch this. He goes, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? If I was there, I'd go, run, bro. got to go, bro. <laughs> Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. Here it is. When they reached the place God had told him about, you notice he went to the exact place. He didn't know where he was going, but he got there. He knew what he had to do when he get there, but he didn't want to go there, but he had to get there, and he got there. See, some of you, you got to go there, but you don't know what to do. Some of you are thinking, what else could go wrong? But guess what? You might almost be there for this to happen. Here we go. When he reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. What is left out again is Isaac. You know, Abraham said, put your hands behind your back. And he did. He tied him up and he goes, Dad, why are you tying me up? He said, oh, just, just sit down and put your feet together. And he tied his feet. Dad, why? why? He says, you, you tie the lamb like this. He said, I know. Some of you have heard this story your whole life, but you never really watched it, did you? The Bible promised no weapon formed against you will prosper. He didn't promise there wouldn't be a weapon. He didn't promise you wouldn't get hurt. He didn't promise you wouldn't lose people. He didn't promise people wouldn't die. He didn't promise people wouldn't stab you in the back. He didn't promise people wouldn't use you, abuse you. He didn't promise your wife wouldn't leave, your husband wouldn't leave. He didn't promise that your brother would get your girlfriend. He's 10 years younger than you. And if that's happened to you, you need to answer the altar call tonight because God can heal you through that too. I don't know where that came from, but it was funny in my head, all right? <laughs> Verse 10, 
Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, here I am. You know what that means, right? Let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. He replied, and y'all know the end of the story. There was a lamb in the thicket that grabbed the lamb and sacrificed the lamb. Here's the deal. How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go? Come on, man. Come on. Talk to me tonight. It's all the way or no way. He died for me. I'll die for him. I'm that guy. See, the rest of it, you can have fun, sing your songs, and do all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, I believe that when my feet hit the ground on a Monday morning, hell shakes and demons go, for the love of God, he woke up again. <laughs> what is he going to do today? Some of you like, you like to think that much about yourself? No, because I'll prove it. I'm here tonight, ain't I? God wouldn't waste my time or yours or especially his if something wasn't going to happen on a Saturday night. Somebody's about to start the greatest 2023, the greatest year of their life because this is the year they decide I'm all in. I'm not going to miss church. I'm going to, I'm going to take church to work. I'm going to do this. Everybody say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, quick one here, okay? That was number one. I only got two left. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to explain it. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they could come together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in his mind, everybody say in his mind, in his mind. to divorce her quietly. You know that God knows what you're thinking? <laughs> Literally, y'all, God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're thinking. In his mind, I'm going to just, just I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, no, nah, this ain't right. This ain't right. No, nah, I, nah, nah, I ain't, uh, but I love her. I love her enough to get rid of her privately. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophets. Okay, now stop right there. Here's what's crazy. We would not be here today if it wasn't for a man named Joseph. And I can even go as far as to say we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a woman named Mary. Because the Holy Spirit, they, the angel came and said, you have been chosen by God. She was 15. They say 15 years old. You've been chosen by God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll give birth to a son and his name will be Jesus. Can you imagine a 15-year-old girl going, I'm a who? <laughs> With a what and a where? And then she said, yes. She said, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Joseph, in a dream, the angel came and said, do not be afraid to take her as your wife. She's going to have a baby. His name is Jesus. All the way back 700 years early in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah said this was going to happen. So in other words, the Bible knew that Joseph would say yes. But it was still the reality of Joseph saying yes. Is tonight your reality? 
God has plans for you, plans you never dreamed of. The Bible says that you can't even come close to what he has for you. But it all starts when you say yes. In other words, yes, there's probably two roads, and your name is on both roads. But one goes one way, one goes the other. One goes with Jesus, one goes without him. The question is, which road are you going to take? Or how long are you going to let it take for you to take the right road with Jesus on it? Let this be the night that you say, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's two. Come on, kids. Keep yelling. I like that. Number three, Exodus chapter two. Y'all ready? I don't think y'all got me tonight, but I'm going to keep going because I'm going to get there in a minute. I'm going to get there in a minute. This man, his name is Moses. I've pretty much taken all the children's stories that your kids learn about and brought them back to you this weekend. But watch this. Now a man from the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant. I got to tell you something, though. I got to tell you something. Uh, this was in Egypt, and in Egypt there was this Pharaoh, all right, and he was heard all these prophecies about the people of Israel, and that was their slaves, and he heard one prophecy that there would be a deliverer born and raised, and he would lead the people out of captivity, and when he found out that the kid would be at a certain age level, he decided if it was a boy, they found it, and they'd kill it and throw it in the Nile River. Everybody say Nile River. Now, the Nile River, you throw a baby in, he could drown. But if he doesn't drown, he's got a couple more problems he's got, all right? They have these things called crocodiles over there. And they, Nile River. They have also this little fish that doesn't look no big deal until he smiles. He's called a piranha. And they eat flesh, all right? So they throw these babies in the Nile, and, and, and the fish and the crocs have a feast. And they've been doing that, but then this baby was born. Verse 2. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, everybody say fine. fine. Now listen, you could have a good looking baby. You can have a pretty baby. You can have a baby that, that looked like a Gerber baby, you know, the kid on the bottle. Yeah. But when the Bible says your child is fine, then you got something good looking up in here. When the Bible says he good looking, he good looking, all right? Don't be jealous. Don't be mad. It's just the way it is, all right? Because if it, the Bible would never look at me when I was a baby or now and say, he good looking. They would look at me and go, I love Reggie. <laughs> That's about it, y'all. I know, I know what I got to work with. It ain't much, all right? Actually, it's a lot, okay? When she saw he was fine, child, she hid him for three months. Now, this would be said about me in the Bible. But when she could not hide him no longer. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'd be hidden long. <laughs> but when she could not hide him no longer, she got a, a papyrus basket. That's a sticks. And she wove them together. And then she did this. Listen very carefully. She took a basket for him and she coated it with tar and pitch. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Um, let me explain something to you. Now, I can do this because I went to Bible college and I'm smart. Now, in Bible college, I learned something. I learned something. This, uh, this sticks, it's just sticks. It's like a, a woven basket, okay? Now, if you take that basket and put it in water because it has holes in it, it will sink, right? That's why the word tar, okay? So she covered it with tar so it would float, all right? Float. So she got uh, sticks, she got tar, and then she has pitch. I have an English bulldog. My English bulldog is a specimen. Even the vet says he's the real deal. He is like, he looked like he mad all the time. 
all the time. And people look at him until they until they stay. If you stay long enough, he'll lick you to death. All right, he just, he's the happiest dog. But when you look at him, you're like, for the love of God, he lifts weights. He goes to the gym at 4:30 every morning. He's like got bow legged. He's just the coolest. People tried to steal my dog, and I, I don't know why. They just try to take him. But he's cool. But the one thing he does, he loves to leave pyramids. Perfect snow cone pyramids all over the yard. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Those pyramids, that's pitch. It's poop. Turd. I'm going to stop right there. So she takes this basket, she covers it with tar and pitch, and she takes baby Moses and puts him in there and puts a basket over him and floats him down the river. When she floats him down the river, Pharaoh's daughter's taking a bath, has one of the servants bring it over, and Pharaoh's daughter takes the lid and opens it, and there's a baby screaming. Why? Because he's covered in pitch. Y'all don't get it, do you? Y'all get it. I got a whole nother sermon in my head. I might as well let it out, okay? Listen to me. You have no idea. Some of you are sitting here going, look at all these people. They ain't got nothing. They don't know what they're, they don't know what I've been through. They don't know what's happened to me. They don't know where I'm from. Hey, listen to me. You got to understand. It ain't got nothing to do with that. The only reason that pitch was important is because the pitch saved Moses from those crocodiles and from those piranha. All they could smell was nasty. They could not smell the prize in the middle of the nasty. So you thought you were messed up. You thought... You were unlucky. You thought, but all God did was put you somewhere so that, oh, here's where it gets good. One day, if you let him, royalty's going to open the lid of your pitch and pull you out of it. Why? Because that's what God does. Somebody say, let's go. Let's go. You were messed up. You thought you were lost. You thought God overlooked you. He put you where he wanted you for such a time as this. Point number two. When you go and they say, was that guy any good? Yeah, he preached on the pitch. <laughs> he preached the pitch out of that place. <laughs> I didn't say it. Y'all thinking it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? My mom's a prostitute. This is me. She slept with a man for $20. Kept my brother and my two sisters and gave me away. Grew, grew up in foster care my whole life. Got a last name when I was 12 years old. Ain't nothing but pitch. Because one day, Jesus opened the lid. And he pulled Ed Reggie out of that story. He pulled Reggie out of that past. Pulled Reggie out of the loneliness. Pulled Reggie out of the shame. Pulled Reggie out of the pain. And guess what? One touch is all it took to set me free. And if I can have one touch, so can you. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, it's time to get out of the pitch. And only Jesus can pull you out. Y'all with me? Y'all good? Okay, now wait a minute. Where is he? I've been preaching 37 minutes, and he was supposed to come and play at 25 minutes into my sermon. 
He made me preach longer. Y'all got extra because the keyboard player didn't come. Literally. No, he's coming. Don't, don't worry about it. They, they, she ran. I think she forgot to tell him. I'm going to take it out of her pay. No, I'm good. I like Saturday night. Hey, if you've been hurt, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Anybody know what it's like to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and wide awake? Anybody ever have that voice early in the morning and it ain't good? Anybody ever almost listen to the voice saying, you ain't nothing, you're not worth it? It ain't nothing but pitch. It's just the devil trying to keep this day from happening, but there's nothing he could do. There's nothing he could do. Couldn't do it. Watch this. I got to finish. You ready? Here's why these people are important. If it wasn't for them, Jesus never would have came and we never would have had hope. But the same Jesus that was born as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger, he still uses people like Joseph and Mary today. My brother, you just might be the Joseph that someone needs in 2023 to have their miracle. My sister, you just might be the Mary that someone needs in 2023 to find hope. But do you have enough of him in you? Have you really just said, let's go to Jesus? I'm going to end like this. I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do it like this. Oh. I, I, I love illustrations. I love stories. I love, I use stories all the time. And I met a man and we sit down and he told me a story. And I'm going to be honest. I, I'm a, I'm a military, I, I, the men and women who serve in the armed forces, I think it, they're like Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Batman, but in real clothes. I'm just saying, I, I don't know what you believe, and that's cool. We live in a world where you can believe what you want. Here's what I'm glad. I'm glad, I'm glad that they serve my, our military so I could preach today. I'm not censored. They don't tell me or Jesse what we can and can't say because of these men and women. If you're a vet, if you fall in this armed service, I honor you. And I ended up at a meeting. I ended up at a meeting, and I met a Vietnam veteran. Now, a lot of Vietnam veterans, you know, they get a lot of, they get a lot, they, get a, they take a lot because everybody say we lost Vietnam. We only lost Vietnam because you haven't been there recently. I preached in Seoul, Korea to 80,000 people under one roof in one church. That never would have happened if it wasn't for soldiers from the United States of America. Listen to me. Are you hearing me? They say it takes 20 miles to turn a big ship around. It takes 20 years for us to finish that war and win it because people are saved in Vietnam today. Loving God. The gospel is being preached. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So I'm at an event and I heard this man was speaking after me, and I said, I'm staying. And I looked at the people with the event, I said, I know he's older, I know he's probably ain't got much time, but if there's any way I can say hi. And they said, no, dude, his great-granddaughter heard you speak at her school. I speak in public schools, and, and he came, and he says, 
after I'm done, I want to meet Reggie. Is he going to be around? And we told him, no, Reggie said he wants to hear you speak. And he goes, are you kidding me? I'm nervous now. Dude, this dude, he's not just, okay, let me tell you, okay. Okay. For 75 missions, he flew a jet in the Vietnam War from the USS Kitty Hawk. 75 successful missions. The only problem is he flew 76 missions in Vietnam. His last mission, he got shot down behind enemy lines and captured. And he spent six years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Still today, he shows me on his arms, he showed me his legs, his scars and stuff, his battle wounds. He says, and he goes, you know what I love about scars? Are y'all ready? He goes, scars show that there's healing. Literally, I put my head down and started crying because there's just an old dude. And then he goes, only God can heal those scars. Hey, there's somebody tonight in this room with mental health issues. If you have mental health issues and you really want to get by it, do something good for someone else. Because generosity has a way of coming back to you. See, when you help someone else and you see them smile, your heart will literally say, you made them smile. If you wasn't here, they wouldn't have smiled. So the craziest thing is, if you really need hope in your mental state, give. And it shall be given back to you, pressed down. I'm just telling you, I don't know who I'm talking to. It's not in my notes. So here's Charlie. He was a part of this big exchange, and then he got released from prison, came back to America. He was on the news, and, and it took him three months before he went out of his house, but he did because he loved his wife. It was their anniversary. He said, baby, is the Italian restaurant open? She said, yes. Why? He says, we need to go tonight. It's our anniversary. You love eating there. She goes, are you kidding me? They told her that the day will come when he'll decide he wants to go help. And she was his reason to go out. They got to the restaurant. They sit down and started eating. As they started eating, all of a sudden, he said, baby, there's a man across the room. He's staring at me. I don't know why. She said, baby, look at your salad. It's really good. He goes, yes, it's good. I dreamed about this salad when I was a prisoner of war. He goes, she goes, well, just eat it. It ain't, it ain't a dream. Forget about people. Eat your salad. And he got into it. All of a sudden, he looked up at her and said, baby, I love you. And when he looked at her, her eyes were real big. And he went, are you okay? She went. The man on the other side of the room, is he here? Is he behind me? So he put his fork down and turned around and said, excuse me, how, how are you, sir? And the guy goes, are you Charlie? Charlie Plum. You're Charlie Plum. He says, yes, I am. He goes, oh, my God, baby, it's him. And the wife came over. This is Charlie Plum, prisoner of war. He's awesome. He goes, you were on the USS Kitty Hawk. He goes, yes, I was. He says, you don't understand. I was on the Kitty Hawk too. He said, you were? He said, no, not only that. I packed your parachute for 76 missions. I packed your parachute. He says, oh, my God. He said, I never thought. I just knew you didn't come back that day. And I was wondering if I did it right. I guess it worked. And Charlie went, yeah, it did. He goes, get a chair, sit up, let's eat dessert together. They've got a chair, ate dessert. See, y'all don't understand, but here it is, 76 missions. He packed this man's parachute. Y'all don't understand, it takes an hour and 55 minutes to pack a parachute. Step number one, in the middle of that boat, the USS Kitty Hawk, they stretch out the parachute. 
And then the guy has to do this. I got pictures. He has to take the parachute and separate every string. Go to the next one. Then in his hands, he has to take every strand, 297 strands, and make sure there's no knots. Not one time, not after five missions. He did it 76 missions. Then, one by one, he takes all the strands and he makes them in, a, in one huge united cord. Just one cord. Puts them together and he just goes all the way down. There's a table in a long room in the belly of that boat. And he did it every time he came back. Every time Charlie would leave his plane, he would grab that parachute, go down and do, and do it. Then when he got to the end, he takes those strands again. And he just gently start folding up the parachute. It has to be done a certain way or it won't open right. Then he goes to the end and he has to take his arms and he's on his knees, and he has to push that parachute all the way down. Push. Then he has to fold it. The next slide. Fold it up. Fold it up until it gets into this one little pouch. And the strands have to be perfectly done so that when he pulls that cord, the chute opens. He did that 76 times. After that night, it was over. They exchanged phone numbers, and it was done. It was over. And now all of a sudden, at 3 a.m., guess who's awake? Charlie Plume's awake. He wasn't even in bed. His wife got up, saw him on the porch, said, what are you doing? Tears rolling down his face. He said, <coughs> I don't remember him. How many times did I walk by him on the boat? How many times did I sit near him in the cafeteria? How many times? And I never knew that he would be the man to save my life. Because he packed my parachute. In 2023, to do what you've never done, to get what you've never had, all we got to do is decide that Eternity Church is a church that's about to start packing parachutes in Des Moines, Iowa. Everywhere we go, we're going to pack someone's parachute. We're going to tell somebody that they're loved. We're going to give somebody some hope. We're going to go on the offense for Jesus Christ. We've been hiding too long. We've been told to stay in too long. It's time for us to go out do what God told us to do. Somebody say it. Let's go. Let's go. The greatest thing you could do is to let your faith be seen. Because how can they know unless someone tells them? And that's your last sermon. The first month of 2023. Hey, before I go and pastor closes, can I just simply do one thing? Can I pack someone's parachute right now? His name is Jesus. Hey, look at me. You've done this your own way. You've lived life on your own terms. You've done it and said it and been there. You drink it, smoke it, slept with it. And now here you are on Saturday night. And you're trying to figure out how to make it work. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is real. So at the end of this last sermon on the first month of 2023, I'm going to ask you, if you're not happy with the way you are, Jesus. If you're tired of the disappointments, Jesus. If you don't know where to turn, Jesus. If you don't know what to do, Jesus. If you're finding it hard to take the next breath, Jesus. 
If you think you can't make it to Monday, Jesus. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Do you know him? If not, we're going to do the scripture I just quoted. We're going to ask Jesus to be Lord of our life. Some of you are like, man, why is my heart pounding? This is a cult. I got to get out of this room. No. See, your heart is the one thing you can't lie to. Your head can lie to everything else in your body, but not your heart. Because, see, your heart was created by God. Literally, God exhaled and your heart started beating. So no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, to be in a room right here like this, the reason your heart's beating fast, your heart is telling the rest of your body, he's here. The creator's here. The one that started my heart beating. The one that makes the blood pump. He's in this room. Oh, no, you can't physically see him, but I know you can feel him. Maybe this is for you. But guess what? We family here. Everybody I've seen that I know, I go, it's good to be home. Good to be home. And they're like, it's good to have you home. For Dude, eight years. I don't think I've ever been to the same church eight years in a row that I didn't live there and was on staff. This is the only place I do that. Why? I love your pastor, and I love his wife, and I love you. But God's here, y'all. It's why you keep getting drawn back. Some of you go to another church on Sunday, but you come here on Saturday. Because you got to get filled up so you can give out tomorrow. You go ahead. Keep doing that. But guess what? He's calling somebody. I don't know who you are. And you know what I, I found out a long time ago? Whether you move or not is up to you. But man, I just got to be the biggest, blackest Hallmark greeting card from heaven I can be and give you an opportunity to come home tonight. That's why they're clapping. You know why the people are clapping? They know what it's like for Jesus to save them. We're not asking you to do something that we ain't done first. So we're going to say it together, front to the back, left to the right. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Christians, help the sinner. They call Christians saints, but we all know every saint got a past and every sinner needs a future. And this is where those roads collide. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I ask you to be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for packing my parachute. Because I'm pulling the cord of salvation. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. Give me courage. Give me strength to do what I have to do. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to MyEternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at MyEternityChurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.